word and fellowship today. And pray for the mothers again. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you just for this opportunity, God, for this privilege. I pray that we would see it as a privilege, God. We would never take it for granted, Father, that it would be a priority in our lives, God. The coming together of the saints, Father, your church, God, with one purpose, with one heart, God. I pray against anything that would come to divide anything of the enemy, Father, the things that this world throws at us, God, and tries to call it the gospel. Father, I just pray that it would not take root, God, that we would only thrive on the truth of your word, Father, that we know, God, that you are our sovereign Lord, the creator of all, Father. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to celebrate mothers today, God. I pray that you would encourage each one, Father. I pray, God, that they would know that they're loved, uh, not just by their children and their families and by us, but by you, Father, that you have set apart this task, that you have designed women to be able to carry children and to bring them into this world, Father. That is your plan. That is your design, Father, and we honor that today, God, and we come against any falsehood of that, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. And I pray, God, for those that are uh, missing their mothers today, Lord, who they have gone on before them, Lord. I pray that you would comfort them. I thank you, Father, that even though people are taken, Father, from us in this life, that we are left with memories, Father. So I pray that you would flood those people, God, with just good memories of their moms, times that they had joy and comfort, Father, and that we would have a heart of gratitude for our mothers, whether they are here or whether they are gone, Father, in your name, amen. Amen. Let's worship our King. Amen.
kindness as we prayed earlier and reflected on earlier Father it's your loving kindness that leads us to repentance Father 
God, it's only found as the Holy Spirit draws us, Lord. God, you are pleased to reveal yourself to us through your Son, Jesus. And we come to Jesus, Lord. Father, repenting of our sins, acknowledging our need for a Savior, that we recognize, Father, that we are an enemy <clears throat> of your throne, Lord. But God, through Christ, through the payment that was made, Father, through his body, Lord, what he endured for us, that we might be the people of God doing the will of God for the glory of God. Oh, God, awaken us in this hour, Father. Lord, that you would be glorified. I thank you, Jesus, that it's you who's begun this work in us. Father, you are faithful to complete it. Oh, God, may we just get out of your way. May we remain humbled. And God, if we don't, then humble us. Whatever it takes, Father. Bring us to our knees, Jesus. That we would get over ourselves. That we would stop seeking the temporalness of this life. And that we would truly be, Father, those who have been born again. This new nature of the Spirit of God. So we thank you, Father, for yet another opportunity to come and to hear your word, Father. God, I pray for our hearts, God, that it would be of good soil. Yes. God, that the word that is spoken over us today, God, that we would truly receive it, and that God, it wouldn't be choked and it wouldn't be snatched away from us, Lord. God, that we would truly receive it and, Father, it would take root. That our lives may produce fruit and works for your glory, Father. Mm -hmm. So I thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our time together is going to kind of be different than what we're usually accustomed to. But let's look at application, sustained effort, and hard work. Again, it's from the root word apply, which means to give one's full attention to a task to work hard. And as we've heard for over five months now, applying the Bible is the duty of all Christians. You need to be applying, it needs to be applicable in your life. If not, then all you're doing is holding a form of religion. And you're no different than someone who's lost. So it's our duty. If we don't apply it, the Bible becomes nothing more to us than a normal book, an impractical collection of old manuscripts. That's why Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace, the God of wholeness, will be with you. When we apply the Bible, God himself will be with us. And understand this, the degree to which we study, and not only study but memorize, and not only study and memorize but meditate on God's word, is the degree to which we understand how it applies to our lives. But the understanding how the word applies is not enough. 
We must actually apply it. Application implies action. And obedient action is the final step in causing God's word to come to life in our lives. The application of scripture enforces and further enlightens our study. And it also serves, listen to this, to sharpen our discernment. And as we all should be able to complete this last part of our opening, helping us to better distinguish between good and evil. Again, we're to be the people of God, doing the will of God for the glory of God. And as I spoke last week, and as I've been speaking and and hoping and praying that we are encouraged to truly seek Him. The Bible says if we seek Him, we will find Him if we seek Him with our whole heart. Not a divided heart, but a whole heart. That what is good in this temporal world is actually evil. The level of deception, again, you can't make this stuff up, is rising. And if we're not truly, genuinely in Christ, and we're just religious people, like, do you realize (laughs) we don't receive all that he has for us. Like in the end, he says, depart from me. I don't know you. And why would we continue to settle for the temporalness of life, for temporal relations to define us, for temporal needs and wants to define us? No, Christ is to be all that we need. <laughs> He's to be our all in all. Do you wake up thinking upon Christ? As you prepare yourself for today to receive from Christ. If you have little ones, did you prepare them this morning to receive from Christ? If you have family members, did you encourage them this morning (coughs) to pursue Christ? And you say, well, no. Then I say, why not? What are you doing then with what you know? The knowledge in which you hear and you receive is just not knowledge for you to keep. It is for you to give out. You are to be a fragrance of life to others. And to some, you will be the stench of death. But we are to be kingdom people. We're to be the people of God. Growing and maturing. Not remaining broken. Not allowing our testimonies of what Christ has done a new birth to be tainted, to make him common, to make his blood of no value. Oh, we gotta wake up, we gotta wake up, we gotta wake up. Everything is twisted, everything is upside down, and I keep encouraging you, it's opposite day every day. Because the things of this world are opposite of the things of the kingdom, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. It's how we're to be living. We are in the kingdom of God. We have been engrafted in. And we now go forth as ambassadors of this kingdom that we receive, not because we've done anything, but because he's done everything. It's all for him, you all. It's all for him. That's how we're to be living. Jesus. Jesus first. Jesus second. Jesus third. It's all Jesus. And you say, well, not everything can be spiritual. Then something's wrong with your theology. 
Everything about your life is to be about His kingdom. You're living differently now. Your eyes have been opened. You've been born again of this new nature. An application is vital. If you're not growing, if you're not maturing, you're making a mockery of who He is. And God help us. In every generation since the fall of mankind, God has been pursuing a people that He will call His own and that they would call Him their God, that they would live for Him. For Him and Him alone. And God raises them up to be these beacons of light and hope to a dying generation that you can walk upright in the midst of wickedness and perversion. And why we're not training people up our family members, our little ones, our co-workers, out in the community, just sharing. Knowing the times in which we're up against. That you would be hated. That you might be killed. You might have to suffer. Well, remember, it's opposite day. Don't go crazy over that. No, consider it joy. That's the kingdom mindset. That's the kingdom mindset. It doesn't deter us from being about our Father's business. We're to be about His business. We're to seek Him. And if you, if you don't have that desire, then ask for it. You just recognizing you don't have it is the Holy Spirit's work in your life, prompting you, letting you know You're not of him. And he desires to draw you to him. That's why in the end, when you stand before him, he's a just God. And he can say, depart from me. I never knew you. I called your name time and time and time and time again. But you refused to come from the filth you're in. I don't know you. You refused my call. God help us. God help us. We're in five months now. (laughs) Into this year. And we've heard over and over and over. About how our discernment should be sharpening. To be able to distinguish between good and evil. To be able to apply the truth to our lives that we may grow and that we may mature and that our roots will continue to go down deep into Christ. That we begin to take upon his characteristics, the standard in which God himself has placed for those who have been born again is to live as Christ lived. You say, but I'm only human. No, no, you once were only human, but you've been born again of the spirit. So act as such, live as such, know as such, meditate on that. Who are you now? How then now shall you live? That your eyes have been opened, that you are behind enemy lines, but yet filled with the Spirit of God, God in you, to accomplish His purpose in this generation which you were purposed for. 
the good works that he has prepared for you to do, and you're still back over there, still running amok, still can't even find freedom in your own heart and your own mindset because you're still trapped. And it's not because of anyone else, but because of you. You can't even blame the devil. <laughs> like, it's you. It's me. Because all we're so focused on is me, myself, and I, that we would then twist God's word for our benefit. And somehow think we're blessed. And actually, we are remained cursed. Oh, we gotta, we gotta really wake up, you all. And be engaging in this life. This life afresh, this life anew. That we walk differently. That we have joy and peace. We're not really lacking anything. Mm-hmm. We just gotta mature in it. We're not living out of a place of defeat any longer. No, we're living out of the place of victory. The victory that Christ obtained through the power of the resurrection. In fact, the Bible tells you that same power is within you. And you still want to waller around like you have no knowledge of God. (laughs) And yet you'll put on a, a, a face as if you do know him. You'll pray, you'll do this, you'll do that. And it means nothing. It means nothing. Because there's no transformation. There's no difference. You say, well, I've changed. How? Truly have we changed? Remember Jesus' words. You put your hand to the plow and you look, look back. You're not fit for my kingdom. And don't go play the weird game I keep telling you about that we all fall and trap to. Oh, I just can't. Oh, no, no. And we just make it all about us because we look back. No, no, no. Gird yourself up. <laughs> Repent. Receive Christ. Live for Christ. Be, re, be restored unto Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to have full access to your heart and to your life. And grab onto that plow and begin to labor. Begin to plow. Begin to plow it up. (laughs) Begin to get out there in the harvest fields because the harvest is plentiful. (laughs) But the laborers are few. Why? Because they're stuck back there. They're not fit to do the work of the Lord. No, we're to be people of God. Loving Him. Trusting Him. Because you didn't, and I didn't create this ourselves. Like the God. God. No one before him, no one after him. Just God. Revealed himself to you. Because of his great love towards you. That you would be reconciled back to him through Jesus. Oh, come on you all. You ought to be preaching this to yourself every single day. And stop all the foolishness. Living as if you don't know him. Begin to walk upright, you all. Go to Colossians 3, verse 16 through 17. 
scriptures we've heard before, and oh, how I pray that they would pierce our heart yet again. Scriptures to encourage you to apply application, apply truth. Colossians 3, verse 16, let the message about who? Christ. Listen to this. In uh, In all its richness, fill your lives. That's every part of your life. And then, look at the next step. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. How is your heart this morning? How is your heart this morning as we come in to worship? Are you thankful ought to be. Wow, I'm going through so much, but even in the midst of all the chaos and confusion and circumstances, we may be pressed in on every side, but be thankful you're not crushed. (laughs) And look at this, and whatever you do or say, whatever you do or say, Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. As a representative of Christ. Not representing your past, not representing your failures, not representing your crazy mindsets. But this is how the church we are to be living. And yet, the standard is so low in the church today. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. Poof, you're a Christian. Everyone's a Christian. And the reality, everyone is not. Last week I shared with you, I said, if your family members that are in hell could speak, They would. And we looked at the, the, the parable of Lazarus and the, and the rich man. How the rich man was in a place of torment. A place of hell. Father Abraham, if you would just allow Lazarus to dip his finger coolness of water and drop it on my lips. No, there's there's a great chasm. (laughs) Send him back. Send him back. Tell my other family members. No, they have the writings of the prophets of Moses. Even if one went and was raised from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. Come on, you all. <clears throat> Eternal damnation. Hell is a place <laughs> that those 
who are not in Christ will spend all of eternity. There's no ending. Torment. Fire. I mean, over and over and over and over. And I think I was sharing on Wednesday, and don't take this as, you know, literal, but I just said to myself, as I'm looking at Scripture, I said, that fascinates me, that we don't hear about Lazarus looking down and seeing what's going on in the place of torment. No, we only heard about the rich being able to see I said, what great torment for that for all eternity. To be able to look upon what you've missed out on for all eternity. Having the knowledge of the presence of God, but never, ever, 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 ever be able to obtain it. And yet now, those who are among the living have an opportunity to obtain eternal life through Christ. And yet, we're so flippant about it. We're so flippant about it. We make it so common. We make it just as if it's anything else out there. That's not how we're supposed to be living, you all. We're to be honoring Christ. We're to understand that he's a holy God. Holy, holy, holy. We don't strip him down and make him our homeboy or make him common among us. No, he's holy. Because once we don't see him as holy and divine, he's no longer a God. He's just the ends to a means, or means to an end. And oh, that we would have the right mindset. Go to John 4, verse 23 through 24. John 4, verse 23 through 24. But the time is coming, Jesus' words... Indeed it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. This is how we are to be living, you all. And we are to walk by the Spirit so that we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. That we learn to to walk in truth instead of lies and deception. Instead of conjuring up things that are not even real, but somehow there are reality and we'll even slap Jesus on it. And he's really not even there. Oh, that we would not be a deceived people, you all. But that we would be a people awakened to truth. To know Him and to be known by Him. 
to love him with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our bodies, and with all of our strength. That he's not second in anything, but that he is our all in all. Like, again, we don't add Jesus to our lives, to our schedule, when it's convenient. Or when we're in need, a dire need of something. No, he's to be first. You're to structure your life around him. He's in control of your schedule. He's first. I got this to do, I got that to do, I got this meeting, I got this to attend, I've got that, I've got this person, that relationship, this relationship, this. i got to be there, i got to be here. No, you got to be in Christ. <laughs> Above all, in Christ. Growing and maturing. Others should see that Christ is your priority. And if they're not seeing it, then I have to really challenge you. Do you even know him? We are surrendered to him. He is our king. He is our Lord. He is the great I am. He is the holy one. He is all that we need. So why are we looking elsewhere? I want you to go to these following following scriptures today. Title this portion of our time together to know him is to love him. And I'm sure I probably shared these scriptures with you before, but these are scriptures that I've been meditating upon this week, not only praying for myself, but praying for us and others. I want you to go to Psalm 78. It's a long psalm. In fact, I think it's the second longest. Psalm 78. And oh, I wish I did have a day just to spend in this with you. (laughs) The psalmist writes, pens these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths. Listen to this. From our children. And how many children woke up today and heard no truth spoken over them by so-called Christians who are in their lives. who are not training them up in the ways of the Lord. The psalmist says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation. Tell them what? About the glorious deeds of the Lord. About His power 
and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors, oh God, hear this again, to teach them to their children. So the next generation, so the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. And then you see all this generational chaos that's passed on. We're not to be passing on chaos. (laughs) We're to be telling the upcoming generation about God, His power, of His mighty wonders, of who He is, and what He's done. And by doing this, look at verse 7, so each generation should set its hope anew, anew, afresh, upon God, not forgetting His glorious miracles, and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing, refusing to give their hearts to God. The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant. And listen to this. And refused to live by his instructions. They forgot. Highlight that. Circle that. They forgot what he had done. I keep telling us. You want want to know why you've gone back? You want to know why you feel as if you're separated? It's not because God has moved. Is that you have just forgot what he has done. Like you said in your hearts of hearts, he's not enough. They forgot what he had done. The the great wonders he had shown them. The miracles he did for their ancestors. On the plain of Zoan in the land of Egypt. Do you understand the rich history that we as Christians have of our God. And yet we walk around claiming his name, but denying his fame, not even meditating or rejoicing that he was a God who parted the Red Sea. Well, it didn't happen for me. No, but it's God revealing himself. We have such great history From the beginning, all the way to the end, we already know the ending, that we can even begin to tell about it. This is how great God is. This is his plan. This is his purpose. This is what he has accomplished. He divided the sea and led them through, making the waters stand up like a wall's. In the, day, in the daytime, he led them by cloud and by night by a pillar of fire. He split open the rocks in the wilderness to give them water 
As from a gushing spring, he made streams pour from the rock, making the waters flow down like a river. Yet they kept on sinning against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. I mean, isn't that like people today? God moves miraculously among our families, among lives, of people's lives. They will even testify, this is what God has done. Only God could do it. And yet they're right back, doing whatever, demanding of God. <laughs> they even spoke against God himself, saying, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Yes. He can strike a rock so water gushes out, but he can't give his people bread and meat. And yet, we could be no different than them, you all. Ungrateful. <laughs> when the Lord heard them, he was furious. Furious. <laughs> the fire of his wrath burned against Jacob. Yet his anger rose against, yes, his anger rose against Israel, for they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. But he commanded the skies to open. He opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna for them to eat. He gave them bread from heaven. They ate the food of angels. God gave them all they could hold. He released, listen to how powerful our God is. He released the east wind in the heavens and guided the south wind by his mighty power. He rained down meat as thick as dust, birds as plentiful as the sand on the seashore. He caused the birds to fall within their camp and all around their tents. The people ate their fill. He gave them what they craved. But before they satisfied their craving, while the meat was yet in their mouths, the anger of God rose against them. And he killed their strongest men. He struck down the finest of Israel's young men. But in spite of this, the people kept sinning. Do you understand what this reveals to us? This psalm, and some people will look at this and point as if God's the problem in this. No, no, no. The people are the problem. This is what it's revealing. It's revealing the heart of mankind. We are at war with God. If we don't receive the provision in which he made for us to be restored to him through Jesus. But in spite of all of this, in spite of all of this, the people kept sinning. Despite his wonders, they refused. They refused to trust him. So he ended their lives in failure, their years in terror. When God began killing them, I don't like to see God that way. Oh, you need to see him that way. Just as you need to see him that way, you need to see him 
providing Christ the means of salvation for you to become and to be restored back to him. Because if you're not restored back to him, oh, his wrath, he's coming for you. The psalmist writes in Psalms 50. And God says, I'm going to tear you apart with my own hands. This is the God in whom we serve. And yet we're just flipping about him, flipping about him. We have no fear of God. We have no, we have no reverence of God. We, 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 we just, just do for me, God. Do for me, God. Do for me, God. Make my life better. Make my life better. And good God, if that's all that we're asking like these people did, our hearts are not really set upon him. We're just using him. When God became killing them, then, then they finally sought him. And oh God, perk up, perk up, perk up. Don't miss this. They repented and took God seriously. Then they remembered that God was their rock. The Most High was their Redeemer. Did you hear that? They repented and took God seriously. Then they remembered that God was their rock. The God most high was their redeemer. They repented. They took God seriously. They remembered that God was their rock. The God most high was their redeemer. But don't miss the next verse unless you want to celebrate. But all they gave him was lip service. They lied to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They did not keep his covenant. Yet, he was merciful and forgave their sins and did not destroy them all. Many times he held back his anger and did not unleash his fury. Oh, they repented. They went through the motions. But their hearts were not loyal to him. Again, God is not the bad one in this psalm. This does not tarnish who God is. No, hopefully it awakens you and me up to who we are if we're not in Christ. If we're just a religious people. Just making his blood so common, just splashing it up as if it's nothing. Like, oh, we have to wake up, we have to wake up, we have to wake up. I told you. Flip to the New Testament. It tells you God is storing up his wrath. He has not released his fury. Oh, are, there, are we under judgment? Oh, I believe so. But his fury? What's coming? Oh, God. And that's why Christians were to be passionate to get out there and to tell others about Jesus. To share the good news. To share the gospel. That's the only message we have. The gospel. We don't have to create anything new. The gospel. 
has the power to save. See ourselves as enemies to his throne, and yet see Jesus as the provision to be reconciled back to our creator. And all the joy that we have to be born again, afresh and anew. For he remembered, verse 39, that they were merely mortal, gone like a breath of wind that never returns. That's our condition, you all. And God is merciful. He remembers that. Oh, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved his heart in that dry (laughs) wasteland. Again and again, they tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power and how he rescued them from their enemies. They did not remember his miraculous signs in Egypt, his wonders on the plain of Zoan, for he turned the rivers into blood so that no one could drink from their streams. He sent vast swarms of flies to consume them and hordes of frogs to ruin them. He gave their crops to caterpillars. Their harvest was consumed by locusts. He destroyed their grapevines with hail and shattered their sycamore figs with sleet. He abandoned their cattle to hell their livestock to bolts of lightning. He loosed on them his fierce anger, all of his fury, rage, and hostility. He dispatched, God, listen to this, against them a band of destroying angels. He turned his anger against them. He did not spare the Egyptians' lives, but ravaged them with the plague. He killed the oldest son in each Egyptian family the flower of youth throughout the land of Egypt. But he led his own people like a flock of sheep. Oh, look how beautiful this is, you all. Guiding them safely through the wilderness. He kept them safe so that they were not afraid. But the sea covered their enemies. He brought them to the border of his holy land, to this land of hills he had won for them. He gave them their inheritance by lot. He settled the tribes of Israel into their homes. Listen to what he did for his people. But they, but they kept testing and rebelling against God most high. They did not obey his laws. They turned back and were as faithless as their parents. They were so, they were as undependable as a crooked bow. They angered God by building shrines to other gods. They made him jealous with their idols. When God heard them, he was very angry and he completely rejected Israel. Then he abandoned his dwelling at Shiloh, the tabernacle where he had lived among the people. He allowed the ark of his might to be captured. And oh God, hear this. He who God surrendered his glory and two enemy hands. Like, I don't know if you pause when you read scripture. But I sat there this week. I don't know how many times I've read this. Every day. He surrendered his glory into enemy hands. 
He gave his people over to the butch to be butchered by the sword because he was so angry with his own people, his special possessions. Their young men were killed by fire. Their young women died before singing their wedding songs. Their priests were slaughtered and their widows could not mourn their deaths. Then, praise be to God, (laughs) then the Lord rose up as though waking from sleep Like a warrior aroused from a drunken stupor, he routed his enemies and sent them to eternal shame. But he rejected Joseph's descendants. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim. He chose instead the tribe of Judah and and Mount Zion, which he loved. There he built his sanctuary as high as the heavens, as solid and enduring as the earth. He chose his servant David calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. And look how this psalm ends. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skilled hands. This is our God, you all. I'm concerned for the church today. And we don't know our God. And we're just existing. <laughs> but do we know him? Do we trust him? And are we telling the upcoming generation? Are we training them up in which in way they should go? Are we talking about his wonders? Are we talking about how great he is? And why Jesus was provided for us. Or do we just get up and just go through the motion of the day? Because we've got things we've got to get done. I told you earlier, Jesus is to be everything. He's not an add-on. No, he is to be your life because you have died to the old. You have been born again from on high. You were born again of the Spirit of God. Through the revelation of God. That you would love God with your whole being. Go to John 1. The scripture again that we've read before. But I want to put it back before is John 1. Again, this portion of scripture I'm sharing with you this morning. I titled it, To Know Him Is To Love Him. Like, Listen, when you see Him for who He is... Jesus, Jesus, when you see him for who he is, you can't help but be humbled. He's a great God. And just as much as he's a God of wrath, he's a God of love. And just as much as he's a God of love, he's a God of wrath. I need him to be God. I didn't need the cheesy Jesus that people were trying to give me over and over and over and over and over again while I was running amok in the world. And I looked at their cheesy Jesus and their religious structures and their religious institution, and there was no power in them. Why? Because they weren't following the one in whom that institution and those teachings were built on. They were making a mockery of him. 
No, I needed the God who spoke in the midst of my chaos and said, you're mine. (laughs) Come to me. Through my son, Jesus. But God, I'm a sinner. You hate me. I was told my whole life I'm an abomination and yet you're speaking to me? Come out from among them. My child, you belong to me. See, I need him to be God. I need to understand the wrath in which I was going to experience apart from him. So that I would truly grasp the depth of his love that saved me from himself. Have you grasped the depth of the love of the Father? Oh, how I pray you have. John 1, verse 1 through 18. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word. The Word was God. The Word word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, created, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gave light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came. Who's he? Jesus. Came into the very world he created. But the world, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people and they rejected him. Oh, but here's the good news. You heard the bad? Here's the good. But to all, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They were, they were reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. This rebirth. Oh, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 18. Did you hear verse 13? They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but from a birth that comes from God. If you're truly born again, if you're truly a Christian, not just by title, but if you're truly born again, oh, you're living differently. You know what you have been saved from. Ultimately, who you've been saved from. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full, listen to this, of unfailing love and faithfulness. Oh, that we would know our God and his attributes, you all. And we see, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. 
John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said, someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Don't miss out on that, especially as we're studying Romans. The law, the law was given through Moses. And you remember the last two weeks ago when we spoke about the law? The law was given to point to that nature that's against God, to your nature that you're born into. You can't keep the law. Try to be good all you want, and you'll exhaust yourself. You need a Savior. The law points to Jesus, to the one who would not do away with the law, but fulfill the law. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ because the law brings forth wrath. But Jesus brings forth unfailing love and faithfulness. What are you serving today? Are you serving the law? Or are you serving Christ? The law, will, you will be swallowed up in wrath. But if you're in Christ, it's like being in the ark. <laughs> when the flood hit the earth, are you in Christ? From his abundance, whose abundance? God's. Verse 16. We have all received one gracious blessing after another. For again, the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is God himself, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So Jesus has done, y'all. I don't know how you're talking about Jesus to others, you all. And if you're not, then... I really, I'm, 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 I'm concerned about your Christianity, about your faith. That there's no power, that, uh, there's, no, there's no nothing coming from it. And there should be works coming from your life. Not to obtain salvation, because sal- salvation can only be attained through Christ. But once you come to Christ and you're born again of this new life in the, in the spirit, Spirit, it's a whole new way of living. You don't continue to live how you lived. And you say, well, I still got these struggles. Well, then your eyes are still on them. Repent, turn, receive the power of God to, to when the scripture tells you to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you instead of keep trying to trip yourself up over all the steps you're trying to take and not in order to sin. When we begin to see him as great as he is, the sin in which that so easily entangles us becomes really small. And when it comes to try to entice you or to lure you, it's like a gnat. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not even, I know where you're going to lead me. No, I'm not, that's, that, that's not even worth my time. Because I know my God. I'm satisfied in Christ. 
when you do sin, get up, repent. Remember, you have an advocate. <laughs> this is a war. But again, you're living and you're warring from a place of victory. Not defeat. And not your own victory. But the victory that is found in Christ. Like you have to engage in this, you all. You have to apply truth. It's sustained effort. It's hard work. This is how you're to be living. That flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. God is good, you all. And oh, how we need to see him as such. Again, this portion of our time, I've titled it, To Know Him is to Love Him. Go to James chapter 2. James 2. I told you our format today is going to be a little different. But bear with me. James chapter 2, verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 14 through 26. And as you're turning there again, you can't make up what's happening on the earth. The level of deception is, is rising. The earth is preparing, the world and its institutions is preparing for its antichrist. But as the world is preparing, and you've heard me say this multiple times, the church isn't supposed to be afraid of that. Because we're preparing for our bridegroom, the Christ, to return. And we have a hope that we can walk upright. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to be scared. The world is not our enemy. We're to be as Christ. What did he do? He came into the world to save. Because he already knew the world stands judged. It's already condemned. The wrath of God is coming. So we go forth declaring the goodness of our God. And people should be able to see a difference in us. Not just when we're sitting in church but by our actions, by our lives, you all. God help us. James 2, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters? He's talking to the church. He's not talking to those on the outside. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister with, who has no food or clothing. And you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue. Some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say, you have faith, 
For you believe that there is one God. Would you highlight this next portion of scripture? Good for you. He's talking to the church. You say you have faith. You believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble. And they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? You're just holding a form of religion. Again, I can't say this enough to you all. The Bible doesn't tell us not to associate with those in the world. We don't adopt to their customs and look like them and act like them. But we don't pull away and see them as disgusting. No, we're there. We're called there to serve them, to love them. You know the people that the Bible tells us to have nothing to do with? People who say they're Christians and yet have an anger problem. The Bible says... Don't have anything with any, don't, don't even associate with anyone who says they're a Christian. And yet their life has not been transformed. And I'm not just talking about for an hour, look, I'm good. No, I'm talking about sustaining transformation. There's a continual growth, not perfection. Again, don't think anyone's talking about perfection. No one's expecting you to be perfect. But do not use that old nature that you are to reckon yourself dead to as an excuse to just keep doing whatever you want because you are to reckon yourself dead but alive in Christ. And people are to see that reckoning within you by the actions that are coming forth. The Bible says have nothing to do with those who hold a form of religion but deny the power of God to transform them. Those who only walk around and say, well, I'm only human. I'm only human. I'm going to keep giving in to my desires, my wants, my needs. You don't know my life. You don't know the abuse I went through. You don't know this and you don't know that. I don't need to know it. (laughs) What you need to know is God. And what God can do through all that has kept you down and broken, busted and disgusted. He can make you whole. He can make you new. He can transform your life. Your mind can be renewed. And you can walk differently. You can talk differently. You can think differently. It sickens me that the world, and I follow a lot of people who are in the world, and I pray for them. God, I pray, I pray, I pray. Because they're right there. They're so close to coming to Christ. I mean, they even recognize the company you keep reflects who you are. They recognize. Oh, they talk about the paragon and they, and they tell about how the things are opening and, and all of this stuff. And I say, God bless them. Lord, please, they're like right there. They're like right there on the verge of truth. Holy Spirit, just push them into it. There's such a great spiritual awakening taking place on the earth. And we, if we're calling ourselves Christians, we are to be those who have been transformed by the power of God to be the people of God, to do the will of God for the glory of God. There is a way in which we are called to live, you all. He says even the demons believe this. And the difference between you and the demons is that they tremble. 
He goes on, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Oh, here, verse 26. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Go to James 5, verse 7 through 11. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. James 5, verse 7. Did you hear that? We're in in this generation that's waiting for the Lord's return, just as they were. So what do we do? Be patient as you wait. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look For the valuable harvest to ripen, you too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. And as we're being patient, as we're taking, as we're being encouraged, don't grumble about each other. Brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patient and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Have you done that lately? In your sufferings, in your longings, have you gone to the word of God to find comfort? Look at the prophets who, sp- who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tender mercies, tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or on earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned, you all. Patience and endurance. Oh, how we need it. Go to First Peter Chapter 1, verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And we're going to read through chapter 2, verse 3. As we conclude this portion of our time this morning. To know Him is to love Him, you all. He calls us to holy living. So how then do we apply what we're hearing? How then do we, do we mature and grow in the words in which we're hearing this morning so they're just not empty words falling on hardened soil? So what do we do? So think clearly, it says in verse 13, and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must 
can you highlight that? Can you circle that? It's, it's not an option for you to live like a Christian tomorrow morning, Monday morning, when you get up and face whatever. It, you don't have an option when you walk out of this house to say, oh, I'm not a Christian now because I'm going to do me and act me and it's all about me, 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 me. And that your household's be in disarray. Let your mind remain in chaos, lacking in stewardship, running amok, looking no different than the world. No, it's not an option. Listen to what it says. So you must live as God's, as God's obedient children. Listen to this next scripture. Lord, even I'm about to run through this place. Don't slip back. Just as he told the church there, he's telling the church today, it's common. I keep telling you, you know why you keep going back? You know why we keep hearing about it? Don't be shocked when you hear about Christians falling and going back. I told you, when someone chooses to go back or to act like they used to act, they had to look at the empty tomb, they had to look at the cross and say, it's not enough. And you really want to stand before God and tell Him your provision through your Son wasn't enough. Are you kidding me? So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living. Listen to this. And why would you even slip back? Oh, it tells you to satisfy your own desires. <laughs> Jesus. You didn't know you didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything. In your work, in your speech, in your dress, in your actions, in everything you do, just as God who chose you, who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. You must live in reverent fear of him during your time. You must live as in, a, in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in this land. And yet we keep craving all this temporalness of life, you all. We are foreigners here now. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you, look at this, from your empty life, inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, you all. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ you have come to trust in God. You have placed your faith and hope in God because, because, because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed. Come on, do you all see yourself as such? Listen. You got to get to that place. If you truly believe, you're not who you used to be. I don't care what people say about you. I don't care how much they throw your past up to you or remind you 
of how bad you were. If you're truly in Christ, understand you have been cleansed, completely forgiven. No more shame, no more common. That doesn't even stick to you anymore. I mean, I know how dirty I was, you all. I know who I, who I could be. I know what's still here. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end you all. Come on, your new life will last Forever, because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So with this understanding, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. You've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. And trust me, trust me when I tell you, if you already don't know this for yourself, nothing else can satisfy you. But His loving kindness will. Through Christ, you all. Through Christ. Man, it's good stuff, you all. It's good stuff. Norma, is going to come share with us. And I've, and I've encouraged you all before. Like, I want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. If God is moving in your life, even if it's through a testimony or, or you know, a struggle or whatever, but if God is humbling you to, to, to stand up and to share, or maybe God, maybe it's not through a struggle. Maybe it's just through an enlightenment of the scripture of how you applied it to your life and you found victory, then by God, you should be testifying. So you should reach out to me and say, hey, can I share? That's something I want to encourage our family with. And so Norma shared with me that she wanted to share with us today. And so I'm going to give her time to share with us. And then I'll conclude our time together. Okay. Well, Father, thank you for this time. I pray that you will help me to deliver the message that you have given me. Absolutely. And the encouragement that you have given me, Father. I pray this in your precious name. I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, um, well, <laughs> yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I was worshiping God. Uh, with a song that later on we're going to hear. But I was so broken with this song. 
and every single street shooter that my brother shared today definitely is like a summary of what God placed in my heart. And I titled this The Fear of the Lord. I believe with all my heart that the problem that we have right now and the whole entire earth is that we don't fear God at all. And I include myself in this because sometimes we fear more what's happening around us. We fear more men and everything that is going on instead of having the fear of the Lord. Um, and uh, the scripture that, uh, multiple scriptures that I want to share, but anyway, uh, it says, God's people, fearing the Lord is a response of reverence, awe, obedience, and trust in the Lord. Isaiah 11, 2, 3, he says, and the spirit of the Lord should, and this is Isaiah prophesying about Jesus. And he says, and the spirit of the Lord should rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of, uh, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight should be in the fear of the Lord. Mm. Yes. Proverbs 9.10 clearly declare, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Psalm 25.14 says, the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Uh, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, where is the words you say, right? Deuteronomy. <laughs> Ten, thank you. 10, 12, 13, it says, this is what God wants from us. And this right here, every single description that my brother just preached and, and uh, encouraged us is exactly what God wants for us. And this is what he's declared to the, his people, the holy nation Israel. He said, and, and now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with, and observe the Lord's commandment and decrease. So when I was meditating and crying out to God, uh, just a little story. Before, when I was lost, I never had fear, ever. Like, I didn't have fear. I just, even my, my own job, my first job as a police officer, the first three years of my police career, it was just as an undercover, which is crazy, the things that you go through and the things that you do, and you don't, you do, you it just, you don't have fear. Well, back then, I didn't have fear. And it's weird that now that I'm in Christ, that I know the Lord, fear has take a grip of me in so many different areas in my life. And I say to the Lord, God, I don't want to fear men. I don't want to fear my past. I don't want to fear anyone. I want to fear you. You know, I want to fear you. And and, uh, and I love when the, and, and the people will say, oh, but that was in the Old Testament. Well, well here's Jesus in the New Testament and in Matthew where he says, Jesus tells his, follow, uh, his disciple uh, that they should, uh, they should not fear men but the one who can destroy their body, uh, not only their body, but their soul and hell, you know. And and I say, Lord, I don't want to. Of course, God, fear is is fear is good to have, you know, to to help you to to save you from problems or or, or an issue or whatever, an attack of a dog or attack or whatever. But the fear of the Lord is is a reverence. It's, it's like 
oh my goodness, I need you, God, to help me in this area. And, uh, and, and I, I was crying out to the Lord. I said, God, I want to fear you. I want to have that fear, that reverence, uh, that, that awe of saying, God, I, I know that you are for me and not against me. I know that you will guide me. I know that you will help me in every single circumstances in my life, that I don't have to fear what's happening around the world, you know, that it's getting crazier and crazier and crazier, but I know that God is for us, that he will lead us, that he will provide for us, that he will uh, help us in every single way. And, uh, and as I was meditating, uh, I went to Philippians 2, 5a, what he says, this is Paul talking, and he say, let this mind, which he's talking about the mind of Christ, mm-hmm. let this mind be in you, was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Let this mind be in, your, in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, mm-hmm. but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of bound servant, bound servant, and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in, a, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became, and became obedient to the point of the, even the death of the cross, and continued. But anyway, my, when I was meditating in this scripture, it was just like, God, you know, if you send your son Jesus to die for us, and he was God himself, you know, and he, when he was in the garden, he cried out to the Father, you know, take this cup out of me, but if not, not my will, but your will to be done. So that was my cry to God. I said, God, I don't want to fear men. I don't want to fear what's going on in this world. I don't want to fear anything. I just want to fear you. I want to do your will for, for your sake, for your name's sake, you know, because he's holy. He's worthy, you know. And, um, and, and I said, uh, and I don't know about you, but I want to be used by God. The prophet Isaiah, and I, I shared this this morning when we were praying, I know my brother has talked about this description multiple times when I say I had this encounter with God, with the living God, and he cried out and he said, Woe is me, for I am doomed, because I'm a man of unclean, unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eye has seen the King, the Lord of, the, the Lord of hosts. And I, I myself, Literally, and I know that when I heard for the when I read for the first time that scripture, which is in in Proverbs six, where it talks about that he hates. There are six things that he hates, but seven there are an abomination on his eyes, and one of them, at least one of them, I was an expert, a liar, a professional liar, like. It made me sick to my stomach every time when my mouth trying to say a lie. Or even not even necessarily a lie, an exaggeration. Because exaggeration is a lie. If you say something that is not the truth of what happened, but you want to add something else to put it like more excited, it's a lie. And when I see myself doing that, the other day it happened to me, I was like grief on my soul. And I said, my Lord, you said that this is an abomination. I hate this. I just don't want to lie anymore. I just hate my sin. Because it's an abomination. Why? Because God is truth. And the counterfeit of the devil, he's a liar. And I say, Lord, please help me in this area. Please, I just don't want to lie. I just don't want to be an abomination in your eyes. I'm your daughter. I'm your servant. I want to serve you. I want to honor you. You know, it's not such a thing as a white lie or a small lie. It's a lie, period. And I hate that about, about myself. I hate it with all my heart. 
And I hope you guys will be encouraged because that's one of my, you know, something we say, oh, it was just because she was gay. No, gay is not. Gay was one of my sins, but it, I think my major one that I can, they grip my soul, it just made me sick of my stomach, is to know that I was a liar, a professional liar. <clears throat> and I hate it. And I will continue heading to the end when I see that the enemy is trying to bring those lies into my life and, I, and I'm about to speak and I caught myself doing that. I say, Lord, forgive me and help me in this area because I don't want to keep doing this to you. And I love when, when Prophet Isaiah said clearly, after, and this is the part that I was crying out to God, I say, Lord, can you touch, send the angel, send, and I, I don't have to talk about an angel. You already sent your son, Jesus, which can he touch my lips with the Holy Spirit? Can he cleanse me? Please, cleanse my lips. I just don't want this in my life. And I remember when Prophet Isaiah I was touched by, 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 the, by the angel, by the seraphim, and, and flew and touched his lips. After that, God said, who should I send? And he said, here I am, send me. And how many times I have said that to God, send me, send me, send me, use me, use me. But how can he use a liar? And I always say, I say this constantly to myself, and I say it to one of my nice friends that I have, and I say, if he uses a donkey, he can use me. Even when I'm lying, he can still use me. But I don't want to be a liar. That's for sure. I want him to find me truthful to his word and truthful to, to, to what he has entrusted me and what he has done in my life. That's what I want. And I said this to myself because there has, the lies is one of the issues, but there are other things that God has been revealing into my heart that I know that they are wrong. And I said to him, every day I said this to myself, whatever I do, let me do it for your glory. Whatever I do, because there have been times that I don't want to do it. And God say, if you're my servant, just do it. Do it for my glory. <sighs> so I believe with all my heart that if we fear God, which I believe with all my heart that I fear him, because if it wasn't because of the fear of the Lord, I would not be standing here. I will keep this to myself, and I say, you know what, I don't want to share. And, I, and, you, and I've been wrestling, because even until yesterday, I've been wrestling to share this. And... Definitely, I'm, I'm glad that I'm doing it. So um, I believe that with all my heart that the fear of the Lord is what we need, the church needs right now, so that we can understand that if we don't have the fear of the Lord, we, con we will continue doing, me, myself, and I. We will continue sinning without recognizing the power that is in Christ. So it is a song that it brought me uh, this week, and I've been... Uh, Having that song over and over and over and over repeated, uh, I hope you guys will be encouraged. Um, and, uh, and I hope that we all have the fear of the Lord. And I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, with the authority that you have given us, Lord Jesus, that we will fear you, God, because you are holy, holy, holy. 
my Lord Jesus. I pray that we will be completely transformed by your power, Lord God. Lord Jesus, you paid the price for us, and you did it all, Father, Lord Jesus. So we can trust you, God, that we can have this, the mind of Christ, Father God, that we can trust you, Father God, that the sin that so easily entangle us back then, back there, that doesn't uh, have to define us anymore, Father God, that we can live a life that is truthful to you, Father God, a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, that he lives inside of me, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me, and I can live according to your will, for your glory, for your name's sake, Father God. So we thank you. We give this time to you, Lord Jesus. And I pray with all my heart, Lord Jesus, that we will fear you and 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 and, and, and reverence and, and in honor and, and, and knowing that you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light to do your will, Father God, because we are the people of God to do the will of God for such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for sharing, Norma. And that's what it's about, you all. In your life as a Christian, you are going to find yourself captivated by certain different things but the Holy Spirit brings conviction and that's the Spirit of God working in you to bring you in the Word of God says it says loving kindness that leads us to repentance repentance is just not one time little prayer it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle and just because you see these sins in your life doesn't take your salvation away from you But how you know you're saved when those sins are revealed is you respond as the word of God says with repentance, a godly sorrow. It's not a oops, I'm sorry, oops, I'm sorry, oops, I'm sorry. And you just keep going back to the same thing because you're truly not sorry. It's as what we read in Psalms today, you're just giving lip service. So it's a lifestyle. But one who's claiming Christ and their life is a pattern of sin with no repentance, then those are the people who are just holding a form of religion and there's nothing genuinely true within them. And that should break them. Talk about needing the fear of God. So you're making a mockery of him. But God is so gracious, y'all, and so kind. And oh, how I pray that we would truly know him. So we've been discussing, we're going to end our time today before I play this last song of worship with the attributes of God. So, so far we've heard God is infinite. He is self-existing without origin. God is immutable. He never changes. God is self-sufficient. He has no needs. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. He is always everywhere. God is wise. He is full of perfect, unchanging wisdom. God is faithful. He is infinitely, unchangingly true. God is good. He is infinitely, unchangingly kind and full of goodwill. God is just. He is infinitely, unchangeably right and perfect in all he does. God is merciful. He is infinitely, unchangeably compassionate and kind. God is gracious. He is infinitely inclined to spare the guilty. And this week's God's attribute is God is loving. God is infinitely, unchangingly, God is infinitely, unchangingly loves us. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who who does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 4, 7 through 8. 
love. The word staggers before its task, even describing the reality, writes R.C. Sproul in his book, God's Love. As with all attributes, we can only begin to comprehend God's love in light of his other attributes. The love of God is eternal, sovereign, unchanging, and infinite. It is a strange and beautiful eccentricity of the free of God, Tozer writes, that he has allowed his heart to be emotionally identified with men. Self-sufficient as he is, he wants our love and will not be satisfied till he gets it. Free as he is, he has let his heart be bound to us forever. God's love is active, drawing us to himself. His love is personal. He doesn't love humanity in some vague sense. No, he loves humans. He loves you, he loves me. And his love for us knows no beginning and no end. I'm going to close this with this last song of worship. And I would just encourage you. The song is going to play for a bit. Don't get lost. Don't get distracted. Allow the work of the Holy Spirit to work within you to accomplish what he has for you today. And then I'll close us in prayer. Thank you.